The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Hi, welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney, and this is your host, Danielle Delaney. And today, I am so excited to have Chanel on my show, a person named Chanel, and she's here to discuss with us the quarter-life crisis, which we will get into, and her specialty in helping people who are dissatisfied with their jobs find the passionate and purposeful careers that they are searching for. Um, Chanel is a marriage and family therapist intern in Santa Monica, California, and in her practice, she uses an integrated approach to treat adults, adolescents, and families who are dealing with a variety of issues, including mood and anxiety disorders, trauma, grief, and loss, and relationship issues. Today, however, Chanel will focus on addressing one component of her practice in particular that I'm very interested in, which is helping adults to discover career passion and purpose. Um, A little bit about Chanel. Uh, While obtaining her master's degree in clinical psychology, Chanel noticed that there were many similarities in the struggles in which young adults around her were facing, and she began to examine these issues. And what she discovered was that there were very few resources to help this population to navigate what has been referred to as the quarter-life crisis. And as a result, Chanel decided to come up with a solution to help the millions and millions of young adults who are facing this pressure of finding their career passion and purpose. And while this is a main component of Chanel Halimi's private practice, she's also very well known for her other specialties, which is the first in adolescent and family therapy, and secondly, in grief and loss counseling. So welcome, Chanel. I'm delighted to have you here today. Hi, I'm so honored and grateful to be with you. Thank you for for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I mean, we met and you just kind of jumped out at me with this good energy. And you're pretty young yourself. I mean, I think everybody's young. I'm turning 48 in October, so you're all little whippersnappers to me. And um, and I think I'm just an old soul anyway. But you you seem to be an old soul. You just seem very wise. And it, you're also you. young, though, so you can really relate to your clients. Now, Absolutely. you're an MFT, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm an MFT intern, but um, I'm just in the process of finishing up my hours, correct? You're finishing up your hours? Right. An internship. Okay. Can you explain, I of course know what it is, but can you explain what an MFT is to your listeners? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked me that question because I often find that um, when I say I'm a marriage and family therapist, it's actually a bit of a misnomer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people think I only work with couples and families, and what they don't know is that MSTs are also um, able to work, and, and more often, actually most often than not, do work with adults, adolescents, um, groups. So we work with um, everyone and anything, not mm-hmm. only um, 
couples and families and, and how that compares to a psychologist or a social worker or a psychiatrist because sometimes people ask me, like, so do you prescribe medication or um, are you a psychiatrist? Mm-hmm. So psychiatrists go to medical school and whereas someone may pick to become a pediatrician or study internal medicine or become a cardiologist, um, psychiatrists pick psychiatry. So they go through a much longer uh, in-depth process. And a psychologist is similar to an MFT. However, a psychologist or a PsyD, um, which is a newer degree, they have doctorals in psychology mm-hmm. as opposed to my degree is a master's level degree. And then a social worker also can do therapy. Um, but they're also specialized in case management, which is in client advocacy, which is a little bit different. Well, I love it. I love the explanation because I used to get a lot of that too as a a crisis intervention counselor. I do interventions, but I counsel kind of everything. And everyone used to think it was just addiction or just trauma or, or simple victims crime stories or something that I was helping them with the, the simplicity of just that particular crime or, and adults molested as children. It kind of is like if anyone's over 17 and has a life transition issue, I can counsel them. And that's what I do. But it's, it's tricky for everyone. Counseling mm-hmm. psychology, MFT, LCSW, everybody doesn't know all that. So I'm really glad that you uh, had a good explanation for people who wonder what these different specialties are. Now, you Thank have you. a specialty in helping others discover career passion and purpose. Tell, can you tell us how this came to be, that that's your specialty? Absolutely. So or one of them. And, and I want to go back to the descriptions of the different um, careers and, and why I wanted to share that with you, and I'll tie that in. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, uh, what I started to notice when I was getting my master's in psychology is that our, our society has changed. It's not the one in which the, the generations of 40, 50, 60-year-olds grew up, and there's a huge emphasis on discovering career passion. And what I noticed was a lot of students who graduated from excellent universities mm-hmm. um, were coming out of schools like UCLA and, and Princeton and Stanford. It really didn't discriminate any um, school. And what, what was happening is that there was this pressure to then move on to the next step, which is their career. And the question and, and the pressure I think American society has it's kind of like a buzz right now, is what mm-hmm. are you passionate about and go pursue your passion. And yes, that's I hear definitely that not passion, something passion. that yeah. was around 30, 40 years ago. So mm-hmm. what I've noticed is that these young adults are coming out of school ill-prepared. And I'm not here to blame the American educational system, but if you think about it, we go through, you know, we everyone, we go through 22 years of schooling, maybe more, maybe less, depending on who you are. Um, and there really isn't much conversation about vocational education. There, there isn't much of a description or uh, nobody really sits down and talks to you and explores with you about the different job profiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what, what happens is people are left to do this by themselves if they ever get around to it. I think most college graduate, graduates graduate with whatever major they study, not necessarily pursuing it, which we can argue is fine or is not fine. That's not really <laughs> the point. But the point is that um, they come out knowing like five, six, seven careers, and those careers that they're aware of are probably the ones that uh, their community members are doing. So right. I noticed, you know, the people in my community were coming around and saying, well, I know I could be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a dentist, a pharmacist, maybe an accountant. Other than that, they didn't know what 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 these careers meant. What does it mean to be a banker? What does it mean to be in finance? Right, and right. And in each industry, there's so many careers. Um and then that, that pressure to find what it is that you're passionate about in the midst of figuring out what it means to be a young adult in this new world, in the midst of dating, um, navigating family pressures, figuring out what kind of a life you want for yourself, um, 
It's a lot. It's a lot. Well, it's figuring out where you're going to live, figuring out what you want in this life. Um, it, 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 it's so much so that I found it, it, that it really led to a lot of mental health issues, including yeah. depression, anxiety, confusion. Um, it's, it's overwhelming and it's paralyzing for a lot of people. And what, what, what I would really want listeners and parents and family members of listeners to hear today mm-hmm. is that this is so, so common. It is not just you. It is not Good. just your daughter. It is not just your granddaughter. It is hundreds of thousands of people all facing the same thing and not really knowing where to turn or what to do. And, and their parents and the and community members don't really know what to do either. Yeah, and I think this is really good. I'm glad that you say that because really I think it's in the millions. There's so many kids coming out of universities going through exactly that. My, I'm not a parent, but my nieces are 24 and 25, Kelsey and Annalisa. Mm-hmm. So hello to Kelsey and Annalisa. But uh, they, they come Hi, out guys. of school, and I know that they get confused at this age and even younger where they're, where they're finishing up and don't know what to do, and there's so much pressure. There's just so much pressure. And um, um, another friend, my friend Valerie's daughter, Brittany, just graduated from UCLA, Brittany Hinton, with every mm-hmm. honor that under the sun. I mean, she just, I'm sending her roses. She's not even my kid, but I'm just so proud of her. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had her over one day, and we were talking about, do you want to go to medical school or do you want to go to law school? Which is it? And I felt like, you know, she was saying she's straddling the line, and I said, maybe do an internship for both just to figure it out before you start deciding and making these huge decisions or maybe take a minute to see because it, it's huge decisions. You're absolutely right. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm interested to know, other than the challenges, how do the parents play into this? Because I get a lot of that also, and I'll tell you what I think, but I'd like to know what you think. Like, what can parents do to kind of guide them into one, you know, into just sort of knowing what they want, knowing what they want, and this whole thing about being yeah. passionate, passionate, you know, it's just slow it down, let's get it, let's get a reading on where you want to be, and I love that you said it's not just you, everyone goes through this, right. I went through it, I remember yeah. it, so what do you think parents can do to kind of ease that and not make it so complicated? How does I, think, I think parents really need to educate themselves on this issue, and that's why I really appreciate every parent who is listening in today. Um, I don't think parents really quite understand what's going on because that might not have been the reality that they faced. Back then, people were getting married a lot younger. Women Mm -hmm. weren't necessarily pursuing higher uh, education. Uh, There wasn't so much of a pressure on what are you passionate about. Um, I I just want to plug in a brief story. I was at California Pizza Kitchen, CPK, Mm -hmm. a couple months ago, and um, I sat down and I noticed the coaster uh, the coaster had a picture where I, you know, put your drink. The coaster had mm-hmm. a picture of a cocktail, and it said, "Be passionate about what you drink." And I wow. thought to myself, "Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you kidding? Like we're supposed to be passionate about everything, everything, pressure, even pressure, what we're drinking everywhere. one meal? <laughs> that's hot. That's a lot. That's that's too much. It's too yeah. overwhelming." Um, and I think your advice to your 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 family friend, right? Your daughter, mm-hmm. your friend's my daughter, friend, my, Brittany, my friend's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. To, in order, one of one strategy, one 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 thing that I think is a, really a wonderful idea is exactly what you said. You have to get an internship. You have to put your feet into different environments in order to see what works for you and what doesn't. Because it's like trying ice cream flavors. You can look at all of them. You won't know what you like or what you don't like until you put it in your mouth. That's true. Take a taste. Exactly. <clears throat> so going back to the parents, you know, I think I think it's really important that parents. Um, get educated and, and research this topic a little bit. And, and then when they, when they can understand what kind of, you know, that the world has changed and that it's not the same 
experience that they had 20, 30 years ago. Right. Um, is to help have a conversation with your with your young adults about this in a way that you're honoring that they are a young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, ask them, how can I be supportive to you? Um, listen to them. And if, if you can't listen to them for whatever reason, find somebody who can. Uh, allow them to explore. I think patience is another thing, both for parents and for uh, the young adult. This isn't something that's going to just come to you. You have to do a lot of research and a lot of work. I think so much so that for a period of time, this is a part-time job. This is the job of the young adult. Yes, At 22, you 23 years old, you right. want to take You're a little right. bit of a break. You want to take a gap year, take it. Mm-hmm. But that is your job, is to spend time and understand it's going to take some time. If you think it's going to just come to you, sitting on your, you know, in your room, on your couch, or doing some reading, or <laughs> looking at Wells Fargo's website, and then looking at Kraft website, and Johnson & Johnson, it's not, because you're going to read half these things, and you're not going to know what they mean, but you need maybe some guidance, you need a coach, you need a therapist, you need somebody to help you, um, and that's you know, why I developed some of these workshops. I'm in the process of developing a curriculum to help people navigate this um, easier because there really isn't much out there. Yeah, that's really good. I want to get more into that in a little bit, but I wanted to also interject that um, I remember this so well, and part of it is because I felt a lot of pressure. My dad's this very famous doctor. My mom's this Mm -hmm. amazing sculptor who carves stone and does welding and clay and paints and everything else. And we all played instruments. All four kids played different instruments growing up. And I felt a tremendous pressure from having a Harvard family and all that Mm -hmm. and artists and music to get it together immediately. And I was 17 when I started UCLA. I was young. So Hmm. I think by the time I got out, I was so confused and I was a little scattered. I didn't have this kind of guidance. I had pressure from dad, of course, because he wants what's best and mom too, but a little less from mom. She's more the artsy side. And he, you know, they're both music and art too, but still I felt so much pressure and I got into acting for a while. I went to Australia. I think I was very irritating because you know, my parents felt like, what are you doing in Sydney? What are you doing now going to London? Why are you in this acting course? What are you doing? And You're I was a psych major. Out, huh? Yeah, I was figuring out. I was a psych major and yeah. English and this and that. I had a foot, a toe in the water and everything. You know, I was learning to scuba dive. I was learning Taekwondo. I just was so curious about the world that that was a good thing. I was extremely sheltered until I left for school. So then there were boys, you know, and whatever else. So all hell kind of broke mm-hmm. loose because... I became scattered. So I think when, you're, when we're asking, you know, how can the parents play into this and how they can help, and, um, and I think part of that's just really not having, I mean, you've got to watch your kids for sure, but the hardcore press, you've got to let them find themselves and find where they land to a degree is what I think is just, uh, I only work with 17 and up, so I don't get them younger. But I know that a lot of kids feel a lot of pressure from 17 and up, and then life issues, transitions, things that happen might inform their path, and they need to pay attention to that. You know, if I started painting and was really good at that, maybe I would be a world-class painter now, but instead I started acting and then counseling everybody in acting class, and then I, let, I was led pretty quickly back to my psychology roots within a decade. But um, I think that's really interesting about how parents can do that. Now, how do you approach this discovery? What are some of the steps since we're saying if they can't listen, maybe send your kids to someone who can, or not kids, but young adults, Like to you, how do you approach that discovery of sort of figuring out their passion and purpose? How do you approach that? What are the steps? So I I don't know if there's like a formulaic, sorry, a formula of some sort. I don't know if it's formulaic Mm -hmm. in some way. um, I think 
first and foremost, um, and, and this is why I think my degree in psychology really helps me, and, I, and, and the way in which I approach it as a therapist is I pull from my degree, and I've also uh, done a lot of research on how to find your career passion. I think there's, there's this idea, there's a few ideas that I just don't think necessarily work. For example, if you go to a career coach, they might sit with you and give you some kind of personality exams and then come and tell you that um, mm-hmm. these are the, the professions that you might be interested in based on this, this assessment. Or another thing is like looking at skills. Okay, mm-hmm. I could be really, really good at math, but if someone's looking for something they're really passionate about or they want to have meaning in this world or, or they're wanting to contribute in some way, something in the math field might not fit that other um, desire, which is to have the, the, the thirst of having like purpose in this world. Mm-hmm. So I think it can't just be going to somebody and reading about different job profiles. I think picking up books, going to libraries is great, and reading about different careers, that I highly, highly recommend. That's a good suggestion. But I think it has to be integrated with an understanding and an exploration of who you are, what you mm-hmm. want in this world. Um, let me think. What else? What that's do you a really contribute? good. Dis- I mean, that's a really good approach to discovery, just right there. And, and I'll add to that that what I've done with, um, you know, I work in addiction and recovery quite a bit. But it's not mm-hmm. only that. Sometimes it's people in life transition who are going through coming through uh, rehab stay. So they've come out of a facility and they're rediscovering themselves. And sometimes mm-hmm. it is, you know, teenagers going through a life stage transition. They've lost a parent. They have a breakup. They have whatever, or they're dealing with a violent crime like rape or molestation or something. But either way, I tend to have a lot of people that are trying to figure out what they want to do next. And I've found even the littlest things like Pinterest, since the Internet's such a thing with everyone younger. I mean, it is with everybody pretty much. But with younger people, I've found Pinterest, and I'll tell them, look at Pinterest. Look at just kind of think about what you're pulled toward as you click around and think about that. See what draws you in. And the same with um, yeah, Pinterest, Instagram, all of that. And then also I've had them look at um, library books, like you said, and other things. Just like think about what you were doing before these life transitions happened. Do you love music? Do you love this? The do what you love and the money will follow isn't that far off. But sometimes mm-hmm. people have had such a, an abrupt change in life circumstances or something. I want them to sort of feel their way and feel what's, what's the pull. And sometimes volunteer work I recommend, too. I think do some volunteer work. I mean, you can quit because you're a volunteer, and why don't you give it a shot? Try some different things. Work at a hospital a little bit. Work with animals. Work with people. Work with something and see where it leads you. And I think that's also good sometimes. Absolutely. I think I, I'm so glad you mentioned some of these things because it reminded me. So I think research is one component to it. And mm-hmm. I think in the younger, in the earlier phases, researching, reading, um, talking to your parents, friends, asking them what they do. If you think you might want to be a lawyer or if you think you want, might want to be a teacher, find people in your community, go back to your high school, go back to your college, go to your career center at your college. Say, hey, this is what I'm considering. I'm, I'm considering these four careers. Can you connect me? Can you sign me up with people who I might be able to speak with? And, and one tip is call the ones who are really successful and ask them questions like, and this is sort of what I get into more in my workshops is, um, what percentage of the people in your field do you think are happy? If you did this all over again, would you still pick this career? Why or why not? Would you recommend this career to your child? If they say no, that's really good. That's really indicative of something about the field. 
not to say that might be one person's experience, and that's why I'm saying you call multiple people. But once you pass the research phase and you're sort of figuring out, because what happens is the older ones, so I'm not talking about the 20 to 22, and I also want to say two things. One is that you don't have to have graduated from a college to have these um, struggles. And the second right. is that sometimes a lot of my clients are actually not even in their 20s. They're not in the quarter-life crisis phase. They could be in the midlife crisis phase or whatever you want to call the label. I mean, I, I don't even care to put a label on it. But sometimes <laughs> I have 50 50-year-olds who walk into my office and say, hey, I've been a physician's assistant for 25 years. I'm not happy with this. I've never been happy with this. I actually, and, and oftentimes, and this uh-huh. is the same thing with the older 20s, they have ideas about what they want to do. Yeah. They're going to come in and they're going to say, I really want to do this. And you say, so why don't you do it? And exactly, exactly. A of reasons come up. Well, um, it's going to take many years and I don't want to go back to school. And I'm not saying in the air, none of these are valid or invalid, but this is what comes. Uh, I'm afraid to take a financial risk or, or, you know, I have a family and I need to support them. If I go back to school, um, it's going to be difficult. I don't want to take out loans. Or they say things like, I'm worried about what other people will think. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about what other people will say or... Or they'll say, I'm not, I don't know that I'll be good enough. Or they'll say, I think I'm overqualified for that position. So there's, there's a clarity. There's a sense of clarity. They might not know exactly. I want to be a, uh, give, me a give me a career. Anything, I fireman, be, uh, doctor, whatever. Great. They don't know. Great. I want to be a real estate agent. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman. But they tend to have a couple of ideas because they have been doing their research in this process. It's not like, and this is something I also want to like dispel as a myth, it's not like the 20s. Yes, there might be some who are, but mm-hmm. believe me, they are so stressed. They are thinking all the time about what they want to do. They might not talk, be talking to you about it. They not, might not be showing you what they're looking up on Google, but they are looking, they are thinking, they are concerned about this, they care about this. The number one question that gets on, under every 20-something-year-old skin mm-hmm. is what are you going to do next? You've graduated college. <laughs> We're so excited. We're so proud of you. Let's have a party. What are you going to do next? Oh, I love that you said that. I actually have a good story for that, Chanel, Sorry. because this is pretty funny. You'll like this. When I was uh, 20-something, I can just completely relate to that. First of all, I just did it to my niece. I just did this to her the other day. She called me. It's okay. I know, I know. No, no, it's funny. I was laughing we, as I did it because I know how annoying it is. And she's 25, just turned 25 in May, my niece, Annalisa. And she was telling me, okay, this is going on at school, and I'm taking this class, and then I'm doing this, and I'm supposed to travel. She might go to Europe. She might go to Argentina. And I thought, okay, well, not to be irritating, and I don't want to be that irritating auntie that says, what are you going to do next? But really, what are you going to do next? And the second mm-hmm. I heard it come out of my mouth, I remembered, and you'll like this, when I was, uh, and I was visiting, visiting my Aunt Connie in New York or Martha's Vineyard or something East Coast. Mom, my relatives are East Coast. I'm from here, but my mom's family. And uh, and they're all doctors and, you know, what have you. And she said, um, what are your plans, Danielle? What are your plans? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to go to Macy's, Bloomingdale, something. She's like, no, no, no. What are your plans? Mm. She meant, like, long-term plans. And I was talking about mm-hmm. running around Manhattan the next day. So, you know, sometimes at that age we're thinking so much more short-term than the people we're speaking with. And I think that's such a good idea. What you said is just it's, it's clever because it helps someone to get it. That at my age, 48, when I'm talking to someone 25, I need to remember, give her a little wiggle room. Like she might be thinking about what she likes to do, 
Like if she likes helping people, that's kind of broad, but that might lead her to want to be a counselor or she might want to help people by being a paralegal or she might want to help people by being, helping them find a home and being in real estate. So it's, it's sort of asking the right question instead of this broad brushstroke, yeah. what are you going to do next? And I completely yeah. did it to her. And as I did it, I told her, I said, I don't mean to be that annoying auntie, mm-hmm. but I kind of am being that annoying auntie because I do care what she does next. <laughs> and and, and uh, they know that you, you know, care. better me they than her grandparents. They care, so. but they can't hear it in those words. And that, that goes back to what you asked me, you know, what can parents do to help this process is not only have the empathy, but also the way in which you approach it. Instead of maybe saying, so what are you going to do next? Or have you been thinking today? Have you been researching? Have you been, what are you doing sitting on your computer? Instead of that, say, look, I really care about you. I'm really concerned. I don't know what I can do to help you, or I, you know, I was listening to the talk show and I have, I have some ideas of mm-hmm. people we might be able to introduce you to. I want to help you. Can we brainstorm on this together? What do you think would be helpful for you? I'm, I want to support you. I want to be here for you, but, but, but help me out here. Cause I, I want to do this with you. I don't want you to feel um, overwhelmed and more pressure for me. I'm your parents. I love you. I care about you. All that good stuff. And so it's the way in which you say it. That's and that's really why, like, know. that's why that's I said, if you really... can't, if you can't have the conversation, if you can't listen, find somebody who can. Yeah, and if it even means seeing the family therapist mm-hmm. to have that mediator to be able to translate what a parent means when he says this and what a kid says when he says, or young adult, I should say, when mm-hmm. the young adult responds, leave me alone, mom, get out of my room. What are they actually saying? I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm angry. I'm more frustrated than you are. I'm hurting just as much as you are. But I I can't have you talk to me like this right now. No, but it's really good to know that you say that because it's not what you say. It's how you say it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit after the break because I have a good good story about that. And uh, before we go to break, I would really like to know, because we're talking about people being able to reach therapists and, uh, you know, a marriage and family therapist such as yourself and in turn anything just to kind of give them guidance or a counselor. And I'm going to give out how to reach me, and I'd like you to give out some of yours when we go to the break here. So mine is DanielleDelaneyCounseling.com, and Delaney is D-E-L-A-N-E-Y, and counseling is C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G.com. You wouldn't believe how many people get that wrong. And then um, there's different ways to spell counseling. And then uh, Mm -hmm. my email for this show is the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com. And Twitter is at it's Danny Delaney, Instagram, Danny Delaney, Facebook, Danielle.Delaney. So how about you? Where can people find you, Chanel? Where can they reach you? Yeah. So uh, probably the best way is my website. It has all my contact information there. It also has links to my social media pages. My website is Chanel Halimi, my full name, C-H-A-N-E-L. That is Chanel, like the company, like Mm -hmm. show number five. Halimi, H-A-L-I-M as in Mary, I, dot com. My email address is ChanelHalimi.com. I'm at AOL.com. Sorry, ChanelHalimi at gmail.com. I have a Facebook professional page. They could find me on Facebook. I have an Instagram page, which is called uh, ChanelHalimi, but you can also find me at Sherapy which means sharing therapy, and, and on there you'll find interesting articles, quotes, blogs, inspirational things, all of the stuff, everything that I share. Perfect. Well, we'll come therapy. back in just a moment, and we'll be talking with Chanel Halimi some more about quarter-life crisis and different approaches to figuring out what you want to do no matter what your age is. So we'll be right back.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. That's therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're back and we're back and you're listening to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney, which you can catch from the beginning at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every single Tuesday. And today we are talking to Chanel Halimi and uh, she is an, uh, what was I saying, Chanel, MFT intern. And um, Mm -hmm. we're talking about about quarter life crisis, but in the larger sense, we're really talking about passion and purpose and figuring out what you want to do. And um, I wanted to give a little anecdote here because, you, you know, everybody's not listening every week. Some people tune into this show. Some people click on that one. So I like to, I am a little repetitive about what my story is because otherwise if they don't know and they haven't heard anything, you don't know and you're listening to me and you don't know. So I'll tell you, I am a crisis intervention counselor. And what I do is I work with addiction and recovery. And often that, that has been a problem because of trauma, which could be violent crime, which I'm a survivor of rape and violent crime, so I'm a rape crisis counselor, and I also work with, um, with adults molested as children, AMAC, and I also work with life stage transitions, whether it may be divorce or coupling with someone. I work with a lot of LGBT issues, um, and I work with uh, people at plants every, everywhere from 17 to 80 are the, is the age range, so... My life was forcibly redirected by crime, and I was working in entertainment, and uh, I was kidnapped and assaulted and thrown out of a moving car, so I have injuries, and I had a brain injury. I had a lot of trauma, PTSD, rape trauma syndrome, all of it. So I had a lot of that going on, and I had time, fortunately, because rape is the number one cause of homelessness. Some people don't know that for women and often for runaways that are young men as well. And I didn't have that issue because fortunately I have a very supportive family and my mother just kind of snagged me and moved me in with her so I could figure out what was next. But I had time to heal. And there is no, you know, healing is not linear. It can be, it can take a lot of time. So as I was staying with her, we were figuring out what I wanted to do. And um, the story helps some people because they're lost, you know, they're confused. And let me tell you, it came out 
of left field. She cut out an article about um, about a speak out event where people are speaking about their trauma, and she just kind of put it on the coffee table and left me alone. So I noticed it. I wasn't going much of anywhere because I was really traumatized and flipping out. And and uh, at some point, I realized, you know, throw on your Nikes, put on a hat, just go to this thing. And it was at the university in Long Beach, and I went, and nobody was getting up to speak. And I am not shy. So I thought, you know, they put all this work. There's food. There's T-shirts. There's, you know, they put work into it. Somebody do something. And I realized that should be me. And I got up. I should be the someone to do it. And I got up, spoke about what I'd been through, spoke about what happened, which books helped me. My uncle Ernest Willard was an LCSW, gave me amazing books, Thriving in the Wake of Trauma by Tema Bryant-Davis. Dr. Tema Bryant-Davis, it saved my life. And so I threw out some names of books and gave a little bit of a talk like this. And people, resonate, it resonated with them. They were asking me afterwards, well, what, did you, what else did you do? What else can we do? And the, play, the company putting on the event asked me to go to their school, which was the Sexual Assault Crisis Academy. And they asked me uh, to take classes and courses specializing in sexual assault and counsel people that way. And I already had a psych degree, so it really just sort of found a niche for me. And I just think it's important for people to know things like that, that sometimes you're living your life, and you're forcibly redirected to something else. And that that's not the end of the world. It might be the beginning of a different world. So I, I just think that's kind of a good way for people to relate to it. Have you found that with clients sometimes, that they kind of stumble into something new? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and that's why I think you should be open, because you might think something's for you or something's not for you, and you have an experience, and it might pleasantly surprise you. That's the truth. I mean, I, w- I really thought that this was for me the minute I started doing it, and I started mm-hmm. working with um, rape crisis and addiction and, and uh, molestation, adults molested as children, and I did that for a couple years before I really realized I wanted to work with addiction mm-hmm. and recovery and went back to school then for that as well, because trauma creates addiction because people are self-medicating. So I found that they just were so the wires were really crossed, those two. And so I work with a lot of trauma, a lot of addiction, and I knew right away because I already was a natural counselor. That is what I wanted to do. And then that led into doing public speaking and radio and television and all of it about the same themes, which is really, you know, finding your best life, leading your best life, finding the path to reclaim your life is what I like to say. And um, I think mm-hmm. that can happen at any age. I mean, do you agree or do you feel mm-hmm. like it's more... Uh, I think it's kind of everyone gets into this midlife. I mean, the quarter-life crisis, I'd like you to define it a little bit, but I think kind of everybody gets it. Tell me more about the quarter-life crisis. What's that all about? So can I go back to a little bit of what you were saying? I actually had a question for you. Is that okay? Sure, sure. Ask me anything. So I'd be really curious to know. I'd love to hear, and I think um, listeners would also like to hear, how did you know? What, what, how did you have that moment where you knew this is what you wanted to do? I know it's not what you intended to go into. I know probably if somebody asked you in kindergarten, what do you want to be when you grew up? You were not going to say what you are now. Exactly. But how did you know? Tell us. You know what? I will tell you that. It's an excellent question. I'm thrilled that you asked because I love when things are just off the cuff and we can talk like this. You know, it's coffee talk. We'll have coffee. We'll talk. I love it. So, uh, so what actually happened? I mean, seriously, I was, a, I was a working model and actor. I was on billboards. I was on the international covers for hair catalogs and things. I, I had hair extensions before. Everybody had hair extensions. I was doing all of that stuff. In high school, I was modeling and acting. And it, while I was at UCLA, I was one of the only kids that had a separate phone line in my dorm and had parking because I had to get to auditions and castings. And that was my passion. If you asked me at six years Mm -hmm. old, I wanted to be a vet. 
And then my dad took me to a vet's office and I saw putting animals to sleep was going to upset me. And that wasn't going to work for me. So then I wanted to be a movie star. And that lasted a good couple of decades. I had no idea other than loving the human mind and really finding people fascinating. I ask people question after question after question. And I'm really, truly interested in them. I will talk and talk, but then I will ask questions and listen and listen. And... Um, that's the way it worked for me. So once this horrible event happened in my life that I will never say I'm grateful for, so if anyone's expecting mm-hmm. that, it's not going to happen, I will never say that. But it did inform my next decisions because I now had a personal understanding of what these lifetime movies, Dateline, 48 Hours, 2020, Silence of the Lambs, I knew what it was like. But finally, in my head, I'd experienced kidnap, rape, assault, the terror, the trauma, the PTSD, the not sleeping, the whole thing, that people think, oh, you'll get over it. No, you don't. You get through it, hopefully. And a lot of people don't. There's suicides. There's institutionalized people who go through this, multiple institutionalizations. It's not easy, I'll tell you that. So I will say the answer to your question, the moment that I knew I loved it, was pretty much the moment I got up on that stage that it was still public, which is what I I really was trained to speak in public and work that way as an actor. But to be talking about my experience and to have people come up to me afterwards saying, what self-defense classes did you take? What did you drive? How are you, I mean, what did you drive? What did you read? What did you, what is the drive to, to, to survive? How did you get through this? That was it. Like, as soon as I realized something I have to say is resonating with people of how to heal, how to put your life back together. And let me tell you, my life was not even together yet. You know, as I was on that stage talking about it at the, at the Speak Out event, But I realized how much power there is in sharing your experience, having common common experience. And I was going to therapist after therapist. I went to twelve of them, Chanel. Mm -hmm. Twelve. So I tell people Mm -hmm. don't don't you know, take heart, please don't despair when you feel like this isn't a fit. Stop going to that one. Try another one. And when I finally found Dr. Menton, Dr. Daniel Menton really saved my life. He was a psychiatrist who specialized in PT specialized in PTSD. We did some EMDR therapy, and that is eye movement, desensitization, and recovery. And it really put the trauma where it needed to be, helped me move forward. And um, he was really great with sliding scale rate when I needed it. And uh, Mm -hmm. I do the same. You know, I really just want to pay it forward. So that was it. That was the moment. It was the defining moment of having people say, how are you getting your life back? How are you okay? Because a lot of people aren't. And... Realizing what the difference was, was the family support, but also what I was reading and, and just kind of taking it a minute at a time and having the, I had the luxury of, of really taking my time to heal. Not everyone does. So um, right. that, that was it. That, that was it. A lot of people come out of school and they have a lot of debt from mm-hmm. undergraduate degrees and oh, they have huge. to start working. And so not everybody, you're right, has that luxury. Not even everybody wants to find their passion. So I also, you know, want to make that clear. That that sense of wanting purpose may not be for everybody, and that's why um, you asked me a little bit about, or I think you're going to ask me a little bit about my workshops, Um, and partly what I'll say is that when you have an idea of who you are, what you want in this life, and what, what success means to you, whether it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's giving back, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, first of all, that's okay, whatever it is, it's okay if it's different than somebody else's. Um, and then you can you can properly pursue that. But if you don't have an idea of where you're going, you're just running around with a chip, like, like a chicken with your head cut off. And something exactly. else, that I, well, I guess 
part of what I heard you saying also, Danielle, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you had experiences, and this is, goes back to what I said, it's a process, mm-hmm. and I'm not here to say, uh, you know, take my workshop and tomorrow you're going to know what you're going to do because it doesn't work like that. It takes time. It takes it having take experiences. Time. But then there could come a point where you have a feeling and you just know. Yeah. Where you have a series of feelings that feel so good. And, and like I said earlier, I, I think personally, and this is part of why I'm so passionate about it, is I think we spend, in this country at least, we spend a huge chunk of our time working. And the idea of working 9 to 6 or 8 to 7 p.m. or whatever your hours are and not loving what you do, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. And you know, and it sounds so like funny. you found something where it doesn't even necessarily feel like work all it the time. It doesn't because ever you, feel you like work it. if you love what you do. And I think that's really yeah. important that you say that because, um, you know, I have sibling. My sister Kelly was a lawyer for years, but she wanted a clothing store, and then she had a clothing store, and then she went back to law, and then she, you know, it, it's really nice to have some flexibility in there. And having debt is a nightmare, of course, a college debt and all of yeah. that. But take your time. Everyone's kind of in it. Don't accumulate more. But everyone's in it. I had it. We all have it. And I think that that's that's an important thing you touched on there, but also just the loving what you do. And I think um, part of what we were talking about here with with the experience that I went through in order to find what I wanted, which was your question, because I usually won't get that into my stuff unless somebody asks, but you did, and I'm glad because it colored my world. It colored my world with a whole different understanding of oh, that's what that is to live through that. And someone who's studied it and read about it may know some about it, but they don't know it the way I know it because I lived it. And actually twice. I was, I was assaulted twice. And like, you start to think you might have a bullseye on you, and that's not what it is. And I explain to people yeah. what that is in treatment. But um, I didn't realize I wanted to work with addiction until I realized how many, as I was you know, studying and getting my hours, I'm doing the suicide and rape hotlines, and how many people were drunk when they called me or how many were high. And I realized, oh, my gosh, everyone's self-medicating. I need to go back and, and get certifications mm-hmm. for that, too, because this way I can help them through that. And it's interesting, too. Don't you think if you look back sometimes at your life, you can see where, where different things in your life informed what you do now? Absolutely. And at the time, it probably doesn't make any sense, and you would right. never think it's going to get like together like pieces of a puzzle. And, and also to what you said, sometimes you have to have or sometimes someone goes through negative experiences, and like you said, we're not grateful that we had them, but they do take you somewhere where you might have never gone before. And mm-hmm. also what you were saying earlier, which is when you were in your younger 20s, mm-hmm. you wanted to do acting, and you were passionate about that. Right? I like or how you say my younger 20s, like I'm And still now in them. your passion changed. <laughs> And that's another thing. Our passions can change. It does not have to be you pick something at 22, 24, 25, 30 years old. You're not committed to it for the rest of your life. You don't have to marry it. You know, if you, you grow up, you have experiences and different things become important to you. Um, you want to maybe leave a different legacy, a different mark, whatever, whatever it may be. You're I not love fixed. that. You're not locked into this. Yeah, you can, as I, as I once said to someone, I said, why can't we island hop in terms of careers? Like, why can't we... <laughs> Go to this island and then that island. We have one life. You have one life. Exactly. And, and it's opposed you to the exploration. Do you want to do with it. I love it's that. an opportunity to do with it what you, what you want, you know? 
I love that. And you know what? And when you were saying that you don't, it doesn't feel like work, I don't even like taking vacations anymore because I have one client that's, I have a few clients that are daily contact that I call them daily. And when I don't, I miss knowing what's going on with them, which shows me that I do love what I do. When I miss what's going on with my clients and I'm thinking, oh, I'm waiting till three to find out what's going on with that one. And then I call that one at seven. And I, you know, it's something I do even when I'm traveling. And the sober companioning company I have, I started sending other people out because I was missing my clients at home, and they were feeling abandoned. And now my base is in L.A., but I still, you know, do phone sessions and Skype sessions and all of that. But I own a a companioning business where I send people to other people and make the right fit for them to travel and start their lives over with structure after treatment or after a relapse or whatever's going on with them. And it really doesn't feel like work when you love what you do. It really does feel... Like, uh, I love this. And then I love getting to do my show. I love having a show. And if you really look back at everything I said, I did public speaking. I was a voiceover actor. I am an actor. I was a model. I did all mm-hmm. that stuff. And when, the, when life turned abruptly on a dime, which no, I would never have predicted that, I, I thought I was one of the most unlikely people in the world to have a violent thing happen to me. But um, you can't predict it. You can't predict anything. Just because I had a privileged upbringing doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It happens to anyone. It does not discriminate. So, unfortunately, people who thought, well, that won't happen to me, it can happen. So, that, that really does, does it colors your life. It colors how you look at things. But if you enjoy what you do and it's helping people or it's whatever it is, selling flowers or it's whatever, whatever it is, you find that thing and you feel good doing it, you don't even want to be away from it, run, run with it. Like to stay. There's no better feeling in the world. Well, right. there might be, there might be, but it's definitely up there. Stop. It's, it's up, up there. there, and it's a weight yeah. off your shoulders when you when the search is over. When you feel like I finally got it. But I like what you yeah. said, Chanel, because it's really important that people do realize it is island hopping in life. It isn't jail. You're not locked into anything. Your options are wide open. And I know, like what you said before, some people saying. Well, what will people think? Or what can I do? We don't all have the freedom and the luxury to do it. But you can try different things while you can, you know, or or get a renter or a roommate if you feel like you can't afford to change your life. You can do something that changes your situation so that you're able to, to, to move around a little bit more freely. I like to say you are not a tree. You are not a tree. You're not stuck. You just feel stuck, but you're not. And you can find another way to maybe get from, from, a to B, where it's not as rigid, and you can try some new opportunities, and you can live somewhere else where your overhead's not as much, or you can just try things and be a little brave, because life and the universe kind of rewards the brave, getting out there and seeing what you want. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. And I love what you said about the tree. You're not stuck. You're, like, and you're absolutely right. Look, the island hopping thing might not work for everyone, and I'm completely aware of that. You might not have the financial resources. You might not have the time. You might not, whatever. But, but you're, you're not stuck. In their mind. You're not stuck. You can find it on the, exactly. You can do it on the side. You can do it on the weekend. You can research it in the evening. You can do it part-time. Um, you there's no one size fits all approach. And, What's that? Sorry? I said sometimes you stumble upon it. What were you saying? Oh, just that there's no one size fits all mold. Exactly. Everyone looks, it looks different for everyone. Yeah. Exactly. Now, the workshops that you do, tell me a little bit more about that because that sounds sure. really interesting. And I have some 20-somethings and I have some 70-somethings. But the 20-somethings, I think, might be interested in the workshop. So tell me a little bit about how that works in the next couple minutes. I'd love to know. Sure. So I'm actually still developing the curriculum for that. But it's 
basically going to be twofold. And, and the idea right now is that I have two workshops or two groups, one for younger ones, maybe like 17 to 23-year-olds, and then one for like the 20s, and then maybe one for anything above that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a combination of teaching people about basically the vocational education that I said was missing in the school system. Mm-hmm. What What is an occupational therapist? What is a physician's assistant? What is a dental hygienist? How does that differ from a dentist? It's going to be um, a curriculum with resources to, and I want people to be self-sufficient, so I'm not going to sit there and give someone a directory, but I'm going to tell them how to search, how to find. Right, what, how, know, to find how to find it, how to get some direction. Center, going to their parents, friends, going to community, community members. There's going to be a research phase, um, and then integrated with the psychology, which is, um, figuring out what you're, who you are. Look, young adults, when, when you're a teenager, for the most part, or you're, when you're a teenager, you're starting to begin to differentiate from your parents. Yes. So maybe up until that age, whatever political party your parents affiliate with, you probably affiliate with. Um, how, however, however, um, present or, or important or significant re- religion is in the family's life is probably just as significant to you. But as a young right. adult, you start to think about these things and um, what do you want for your life? And that, that is the definition of a quarter-life crisis. That's my definition. I got the definition of a quarter-life crisis. Actually, I think I first heard it um, on a TED Talk, T-E-D. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the speaker's name is Meg J, J-A-Y. She has a book called The Defining Decade. It's one of the top TED Talks. And she was oh, talking like about that. the, the um, issues and struggles that this age group goes through. And then mm-hmm. from there, I did some searching, and I found that there's actually a lot of literature on this. Another excellent author is Christine Hassler. She has a few books. One of my favorites is The 20-Something Manifesto, and they go more into depth about um, how the quarter-life crisis... I, I mean, I guess how I would define it is what I was saying earlier. It's um, the time to dif- discover and define who you are what do you want? What's important to you? What's not important to you? What's your parents? What's yours? What's your society's expectation? What's your expectation of yourself? It's a transformative period of growth, development, and rebirth in many, many ways. That's a really um, good way of putting a quarter life. I like that. Thanks. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, going back to, like, what the American educational school system, another thing I want to add onto that, because this plays into the quarter-life crisis, which I was saying earlier, like dating, relationships, friendships, learning how to navigate them, learning how to have uh, jobs, learning, I don't know, where you want to live, um, what kind of lifestyle you want, how much money you want to make, all this kind of stuff is that you go through this entire 22 years of school, not, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention that probably the last time someone asked you really what you wanted to do and you got to explore that was like in kindergarten. Uh-huh. Um, but the other two things that I think, or three things we could say are missing from the American educational school systems are um, how to be in a relationship, whether it's platonic or romantic, mm-hmm. how to be in a marriage, how to be in a partnership. That's one. The next is parenting. How mm-hmm. are we supposed to know how to parent when nobody taught us that? How are we supposed to be a good parent? Yeah, if well, nobody what if you had a, a poor parenting that? model that you grew up with and you don't want to do what they did and you want to do it differently right. or a poor model of marriages? And I think These that's are... really important that they, they have, that they develop some classes about that, about something, yeah. some curriculum for that. I think that's really important, Janelle. It's an important thing that you just said. And then the third would be like life skills, you know, how to deal with insurance, how to rent a car, how to, um, 
and understanding interest. People don't know these things, and it's not anyone's fault. Because if you don't go self-educate or if you don't have a mentor or some kind of guide in your life who's going to sit down and teach this all to you, you never learned it. Exactly. And, you know, not everyone's curious. Not everyone has a curious mind. Some people are just going to do what they see to be the easiest path or the path of least resistance or what their parents told them to do. And then, you know, you're going to end up living your own life, unfortunately, people. So it's like if you're doing what your parents say, I'm not saying don't listen to them at all, but take it with a grain of salt because, unfortunately, one day you won't have them and you need to know that you did what you want to do. If I dated everybody my dad wanted me to date or went into what career my mom or dad thought I should have, I would not be a happy person right now. Actually, now he's very happy with me. I'm in, I'm in medical field now, so it's good. But, you know, a doctor wants all of us to be doctors, and, and dancing and acting and whatever else I was doing wasn't exactly a straight and narrow path to where I am now, but it certainly informed some of my choices, too. I mean, being a voice actor <laughs> went straight to radio, and being an right. actor went straight to public speaking and helping people, and going through what I went through emotionally, but also having been a psych major, took me directly into helping other people which I like doing anyway. So I think it, 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 there's a lot to be said for really feeling your way through life. And I thought that 40-something was so old. You know, there used to be that TV series called 30-something. You remember that? Like way back in the 80s, 90s. You probably weren't here. <laughs> but, um, but there was a show called 30-something, and it sounded so old. And now that I'm in my 40s, I'm like, wow, I can't wait to hit 50 in a, in a couple of years, a few years. It's, that's awesome. It's, that's awesome. I like it. Like, I'm and always telling people that because it's, it has so much credibility that I can say, I don't want to do that, and I know what I want because I'm 50. But I say it now at 47, almost 48. And I like that. I like that standing true in who you are. And if you can people to do it younger and to realize you can swerve. You don't have to stay on the same path for your entire life. And, you know, I could decide I'm going to stop doing this and be a scuba diving instructor and move to Hawaii. I don't know. I'm going to wait and see for the next 20 years. I think it's really good for people to realize you don't have to be rigid. You really don't. And it's okay if you try something and you do it for a couple of years and it doesn't work for you anymore, whether it's going yes. straight to law school or straight to medical school or straight into the finance world or not going straight, taking some time off, taking a career, going back to grad school, and then walking, because that's what we're also seeing with the older 20s, 30s, is coming out of a fear of actually coming out of a profession um, because they spent so much time, whether it was emotional, uh, financial, mental, like all this investment into something and then saying, wait, I actually don't know that I really like this. Actually, I'm quite miserable, but I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Yes. And the, so it's okay. That's so important, too. That's important because it's, people think they wasted yeah. their time and they did not. It's no. never wasted no, 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 time that's if not it's knowledge. Waste. That's part of the process. <laughs> exactly. It's part that's my, of the process. That's my take on it. It's what's that's that? my take on it. You know? Exactly. It's just, you know, you put a little bookmark here, put a little bookmark there, and you go back to what you think you liked or what have you. Now, Chanel, will you give out your website one more time because we're about to wrap up? Tell me, tell people your website and where they can find you one more time on the web. You got it. You got it. Thank you so much for everything. It is sure. ChanelHalimi.com, C-H-A-N-E-L, Chanel like the company, Halimi, H-A-L-I-M-I.com, and I know I'm also on your website so they can find my contact information there. And I'm on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Fantastic. And you can find me at DanielleDelaneyCounseling.com or you can email me at TheRealDealWithDanielle at gmail.com. You can find me here every Tuesday live at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Please come back and join me next week. Thank you again, Chanel. Thank you, Danielle. It was wonderful. wonderful. I really appreciate your time.
Oh, wonderful having you. I think it's really an education. So everyone else, in the meantime, be well and do well. And we'll see. I'll hear from you or talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.